Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. John Lennon. God knew the influence of ungodly people upon his people could cripple their faith, could keep them from finishing the race. And so he warned them, don't let the people of the land distract you and and turn you away from the true and living God. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands Today, Pastor Ed will be exhorting us to be separate from the world and to not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. The Bible says that bad company corrupts godly character. In our text today, we will read how God commanded the children of Israel not to be intermingled with the heathen in the land, and because of their disobedience, God disciplined them. God tried to prevent them from being judged, so He commanded them on exactly what to do, yet they disobeyed. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, when divine discipline brings grace. The title of the message this morning is When Divine Discipline Brings Grace. There are times that God disciplines, but it doesn't bring us to the place of grace. It doesn't bring us to the place that God intends for us to be. But there are other times where divine discipline comes into our lives and it brings us to a place of fruitful grace. And that's what's happening here. Uh, Earlier, there's talking about two of the minor uh, judges. We'll be studying Jephthah next week. But we're looking at a time when Israel has gone through again this pattern After years and years of peace, they drift away from God, and then God has to come to them and say, come back. Now, how he says it is through divine discipline. How he communicates is through his hand of chastisement. Again, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They they served the Baals and the Ashtaroths and the gods of Aram and the gods of Sidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the Ammonites and the gods of the Philistines. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, he became angry. There's God's emotion. He's, He's angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. Now for 18 years they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan and Gilead in the land of the Amorites. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and the house of Ephraim, and Israel was in great distress. So what, I want to stop and pause. What's happening here is that the enemy is fighting them on the east, and the enemy also, in the Philistines, is fighting them on the west. And 
they're not only being uh, fought against on Transjordan, they're going into the very heartland where Ephraim has, tribe of Ephraim, other tribes are, and they're just being constantly attacked, their land plundered, robbed, and God is saying, please, will you pay attention to me? Will you listen to me? And it says, then the Israelites, verse 10, cried out to the Lord, we have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. So they make a confession here. The Lord replied, when the Egyptians and the Amorites and the Ammonites and the Philistines and the Sadonites and the Amalekites and the Mananites oppressed you, and you cried to me for help, did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you're in trouble. But the Israelites said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. Then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. Then God could bear Israel's misery no longer. So God was moved by their repentance and also by their pain. God suffers with his people and he truly is in pain when he has to discipline his people. A pastor had been praying for a gentleman that had not been in church for a long time. I mean, he got away from the Lord, drifted, and one Sunday, he happened to see him sitting in church with his wife, and he was elated. So he went over to him and said, oh, I'm so glad you're in church. I've been thinking about you, praying for you. And he sort of looked up at the pastor with, well, he said, just a matter of choice. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, either I have to listen to my wife preach to me or you, I chose you. Well, we do impact one another. And it's important as believers that we recognize we have an impact on each other's life. He wrote a song that uh, it really hasn't been published, but he wrote it in the 1970s. You saved my soul. He had an experience with God. His biographers tell us that uh, he watched Billy Graham. He was really into Pat Robinson on television, or to Pat Roberts. He actually called up the 700 Club, and he made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. He went around for weeks saying, thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord. And, and, and he worshiped God in his song that he wrote, You Save My Soul, he talks, or it's said that he talks about his almost suicide in Tokyo. Well, his wife was not happy about his decision. Yoko just didn't want him to follow Christianity. And so she discouraged him and Later on, near the end of his life, he wrote this song. He left 
serving the Lord. He was no longer serving the Lord. And it was only a matter of perhaps weeks or months. And then he wrote this song towards the end of his life. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. John Lennon. God knew the influence of ungodly people upon his people could cripple their faith, could keep them from finishing the race. And so he warned them, don't let the people of the land distract you and and turn you away from the true and living God. Now, um, Olivia had been raised in a fine Christian home. She was a devout Christian. She married an unsaved man. When she married him, She really thought she perhaps would convert him. They would read the Bible on a regular basis, a daily basis. They prayed together. But eventually her husband took her faith away by his doubts and by his, well, his attitude. They lost a son at a very young age. And then they lost two of their three daughters later on while the daughters were still not that old. And he said to his wife, well, you can lean on your faith. She says, I have no faith to lean on. Uh, You know the novel writer, her husband, by the name of Mark Twain. And he regretted that influence that he had over his wife. What happens oftentimes is people can pull us away from God. And God said to the Israelites, don't intermarry. Be careful of your relationship because faith is not something that you could just easily say, oh, I got faith and I'll never lose it. Remember a man coming up to me and said, oh, I know Christ and and, and I I had a relationship with him. I'll never, ever backslide. And I thought, oh boy, Gary, that's not good to say that. You always have to be very, very careful. Take heed, the Bible says, if you think you stand, you can fall. And what happened now, in the life of the people of God, you could see their response to divine discipline, and really, it can be a path of grace. First, look at the condition they were in, the condition of God's people. They were serving other gods. In Judges 10, 6, it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Ashtaroths. See, God sees, he knows He's there. And they began to serve not just one other God, but many of the gods. They began to combine the worship of Jehovah with the worship of the people of the lands around them and that they lived among. It was pluralistic in their faith, and it watered down their faith, and eventually they were serving various gods. John, the apostle, said, my little children, Keep yourself from idols. Oh, idols are all around us. It could be pleasure, sexual immorality, materialism, uh, anything, you name it. Those idols can be pulling us away from God. We live in a culture that's constantly trying to pull us so that we will worship the idols of our culture. And what happened is you can't serve God and serve idols. 
That's what God is saying, simply in the text, because you, you, it says, and because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him. You, you can't serve both. It's impossible to compromise your faith and think you can have both God and this world. So what God did is they were serving these other gods and one wasn't enough. They just one after one after another after another. You know what God did? He said, okay, if that's what you want, that's what you can have. They were sold to the other gods. If you look at verses seven to eight, God became angry with them. He sold them into the hand of the Philistines and the Ammonites. What happened was this. You want to worship the God of the Ammonites? You want to worship the God of the Philistines? Okay, go ahead. And so what happened is those two nations oppressed them and took control over them. What we worship will control us. And when God sold them over, what it's saying is, okay, you want them? See, God was keeping his hand and, his, and, and protecting them and, and, and even watching over them in their times of disobedience. But now he says, okay, if that's what you want, that's what you could have. If you have a car and you sell the car, that new owner could take that car, drive it down a dead-end street, crash it into a wall, and destroy it. And God said, I'm taking my hands off you. If that's what you want, go ahead. And now watch what happens to them. It says, they, who that year shattered and crushed them. It's two words. Shattered is used when the Egyptians were defeated by God. And their armies were scattered during the Exodus period. He, he shattered them. And the word crushed is used when that woman took the millstone and, and dropped it from the tower and it fell on the head of Abimelech and it crushed him. When we choose to worship the gods of our nation, the gods of the pagan culture around us, they will crush us and they will shatter us. And that's why I think there's so many problems in our nation. Because we've chosen the, lead, the one and true living God. Now, 18 long years, that's a long time to go through all of this. Sin always blinds you. It blinds you to the consequence. It blinds you to its ugliness and evil. But then it binds you. It's cords that hold you. And then it buries you. The wages of sin is death. It buries you. And God was longing for his people to turn back to him. And so he allowed those circumstances in their lives. And so immediately they go back to the liturgy. And they have a time of confession. In verse 10, you see the confession of God's people, the condition, and then they confess in verse 10. The Israelites cried out to the Lord, we've sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving Baals. But you're going to notice that God doesn't accept this confession. Because confession always must be tied to repentance. 
You must have those two things. It's not enough to confess our sins. There has to be repentance, change of mind, change of heart with it. Uh, many people, you could, you could be sincere at the moment, but it involves not just sincerity. It involves your will, your volition. It involves your heart, your mind, your whole total being. Our hearts are extremely deceptive. All of us have a human heart, a sinful heart, and that sinful heart can deceive us. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, it reads, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Then, in the message translation, it says it so powerfully. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful. A puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. If our confession is superficial, just on the surface, it doesn't move the heart of God, and it doesn't change our circumstance or situation. It has to be genuine It has to be real. And so God's going to respond by not alleviating their problem, but by correcting them. Now, earlier, God does this in chapter 6, and he sends a prophet. But then later, he himself appears. But in chapter 6, this is, it says, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian. He sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel. He says, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt, from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you've not listened to me. What happens is we seem to go to God with the coinage of religious prayer. And we put it in the slot and we pull the slot and say, okay, God, you got to respond. And we can be trying to manipulate God, whether consciously or unconsciously, by saying, God, if I pray this, I say this, I do this, then you have to do that. No, 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 God looks at the inner motives. He knows our hearts. There are times... Many, many times, we don't even know our own hearts. God knows. And so God is speaking to them, and and what he's saying to them is this. Really, there has to be heartfelt change with a commitment of the will. Imagine with me, a couple, and this couple's having difficulties in their marriage. And... uh, the one of the spouses goes out and they're unfaithful. And they decide to reconcile. And then the spouse comes back and uh, they're just waiting for the next opportunity and then they're unfaithful again. And then they reconcile again and they're saying, listen, we, we really want to work on this. And then they do it again. 
and again and again and again. How real is the apology? How real is the repentance? That's what Israel was doing with God. And so God was saying, no, you got to determine to change your heart. Many people, in mending their ways, use a very thin thread. If you're serious about mending your ways, you begin to work at it with your mind, with your heart, with your emotions. You begin to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you and repent. Now, God's response to this superficial confession, God's response to his people, first of all, he does what the prophet had done earlier. He reminds them of all he had done for them. He said, when the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, etc., oppressed you, you cried to me, didn't I save you? Roll back the curtains of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human, and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. God has to remind us again and again what he has done. We so readily forget his mercies. We so readily forget his forgiveness. Oh, you get in the spot, and that credit card is so high. And then you pray, and God sends some extra money your way, and you pay it off. But then the next year, you're in the same spot again. And you cry again. See, God is saying, make a decision to change. Make a decision with all of your heart, with all of your mind. So he reminds them what he had done for them. And he said, don't you remember? I saved you, I delivered you, I helped you, I answered your prayers. And then he reprimands them. He reminds them and he reprimands them. Listen to what he says. For you have forsaken me and served other gods. So I will no longer save you. Wow. That's what I said. I'm not going to save you anymore. Go and cry to the gods you have chosen. All right, you made money your God. Go ahead, cry to the money. You made pleasure your God, go cry to pleasure. Whatever you made your God, go ahead, kneel down to it, pray to it, cry to it. See if it'll help you now. And so what God was saying is, don't be foolish. He's, he's trying to wake them up so that they won't suffer. And he says, let them save you when you are in trouble. When you're in the hospital and they tell you, this is it, let them save you. Go ahead. Watch what the people do. That rebuke, that reprimand moves them. And so watch how repentance comes about. The repentance of God's people. Repentance that goes below the surface. It's not superficial, it's just not on the top, but it's on the surface. Verses 15 to 16a. But the Israelites said to the Lord, we have sinned. Now remember when Saul said to God, I have sinned. God's, his repentance wasn't real. When David said it, he meant it. When Saul said it, it was just superficial. And he said, we have sinned. Now it's getting to their heart. Do with us whatever you think. But God, here I am. Here we are. We throw ourselves on your mercy. And then the scripture text goes on 
to say, please rescue us now. Now what did they do? It was more than just saying a nice prayer. They got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. Women in ministry is a topic that has a variety of opinions surrounding it. The book of Judges highlights a particular woman who is not only a mighty warrior, but a wise leader in the nation of Israel. Through this study, Pastor Ed will share with us the important role that women play in the body of Christ. And this is only one important truth we'll learn as we study the book of Judges. To learn more about Building in Faith, or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Judges, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.